to help us in our time of need. We thank you, Lord, because we need you all the time, even though when sometimes we're not aware of it, sometimes we don't acknowledge it, but deep down inside, we know we're nothing without you. We can do nothing without you. So we thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Father, that without you, your guidance, we would be in darkness. We would go the wrong way. Nothing would work out well for us because it wasn't before we found you. And so we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to receive what you have for us from your bountiful hand. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, 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 amen. So uh, we're going to talk today about by force of faith, how things happen by force of faith. And uh, you, you need to understand how powerful faith is. Um, <clears throat> sometimes we get the impression that God is not moving, he's not working, we don't feel anything. That's a blessing because <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you felt everything that was going on, uh, you know, I, I hear people say things like, well, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will, yeah, but he got a lot of facets to his personality, you know, just like you do. If I were to say, oh, Miss Pat is just a, a gentle person and you made her mad, you saw the anger come out of her, huh? So you can't put that label on anybody. We shouldn't try to, we're human beings made in the image of God, amen? Enough said about that. You know, too much we try to label one another, uh, put handles on and expectation. You know, you uh, that's that's a, a really a form of manipulation when you think about it. You know, if you go to somebody and tell them some label you want to put on a person to describe them, and then that label sticks, then they haven't experienced a real person. You know, so whether your your description was positive or negative, you know, people are people. We're, we're, we're liable to respond to situations differently. Uh, some of us always maintain a peace. Sometimes it's, it's more effort, you know, than we care to put forth. And then there are times when the enemy just overtakes us, you know, takes us by surprise. And we do things we don't mean to do. And so it, it's just that way with humanity. And, uh, but, but you need to know that the Holy Spirit is able and capable of great power. Amen. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. In fact, that's the power that dwells in us as well. It's the power of the resurrected Christ. And so when you think about the enormous power that is resident in believers, you wonder how it's not contained when you think about it. If this is a power that raised Jesus from the dead, it has the ability to continue to raise people from the dead. Amen? And and it also has the power to to um, uh, to kill things that aren't like it at its discretion, to destroy things that aren't like it. How do you think people with big tumors walk out without a tumor in them if, if the Holy Spirit wasn't a destroyer? And so when we think about it, there is a spiritual force that is unleashed with the Holy Spirit. And so this force is triggered in certain ways. So when you think about it, when we say faith is a force, it is a spiritual force. That means that it can force certain things to happen. Amen. 
and it can discourage other things from happening. So when you think about the force of faith being a spiritual force, it is unleashed in certain ways and released and contained in certain ways. So what contains your faith? Well, unbelief will contain it. Amen. And, and lack of, of activation by action will keep it dormant too. James tells us faith without works is dead being alone. So if you think about it, faith could be, could be thought of as a, uh, a bullet that's put into a chamber. And until that force of friction shoots that bullet, projects it out, and all that encapsulation comes out of it, then it's it's just kind of a harmless tool sitting there until it's activated. Well, that's the way your faith is without works. See, without works, it's dead being alone. So there needs to be something, because when you think about it, it has great ability in it. If it was going off indiscriminately, we wouldn't be able to do anything with our lives. We'd have a, we wouldn't know what to expect out of life. So God says, I'm holding myself back until you pull the trigger. And so you pull the trigger with your actions, with your corresponding actions. So there has to be a permission from God to unleash this force in your life. It has to be a permission. And what does that mean? Well, that means that there are times when you know what you need and you know what you're asking God for, and then you engage with God to release that into your life by force of faith. Amen? And so when we when we pray, according to Mark 11, 23, if you want to turn there, We'll start there. Uh, he says here in 22, have faith in God. So what that means is that you're going to pull the trigger into God's kingdom. Amen. The trigger of your faith is going to be released into God's kingdom. He said, truly, I say to you, and, and that word verily or truly, 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 that's an oath. Amen. Whenever you see Jesus speak like that, he is speaking, he is swearing against a higher power of the truth of that thing. So you'll see that many times in some some truths in the word of God that have to do with things that are are very important or key or essential for life. So when you see that around a certain concept or around a certain uh, package of truth, then you've, you've got to pay attention. Now this, he's sworn on this. He says, I'm not lying. Believe this. This ain't, take it to the bank, cash the check, and spend the money. So that's what he's saying here, that he has sworn an oath that this is something you can take to the bank. Amen. And he wants you to take note of it. He said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have so whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe 
that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. So here's a principle of forgiveness activating faith. See, it's best to tie it all together because if you believe most of the people that claim to be teachers and Christians out here, you just run around confessing stuff and you can have what you say indiscriminately. And that's not true. It's not true at all. Because there is all righteousness is the standard in God's kingdom. Against that, there is no law. Amen? So, so there's nothing held against you when you operate in righteousness. And don't think that because you just got saved years ago or you pray in tongues a little bit, that makes you anything. You know, righteousness is not something you're made into. It's something you wear. Amen. And just like you go home and kick your shoes off, you can go home and, and start cussing people out and kick righteousness right off the throne of your heart. You understand what I'm saying? So so we, we have to understand these things. Because one of the problems with church... Why do you think people aren't anxious to get to church right now? You think about it. It's like, man, this this excuse came right on time for some people because they barely was in the door. You understand what I'm saying? And so there is a, a, a thin line sometimes that separates us, righteousness from unrighteousness. Why do you think the devil tempts people? Because he knows he can get you to, to do what he tells you to do. Huh? Well, let it sink in. I don't know where you live, but my flesh wants to rebel quite a bit sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> if I paid attention to it. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, not, let's not get crazy out here. You know what I'm saying? It, it's like, you know, thank God he moves on my heart to want to get here uh, like I've always been getting here, but, but there are some people he's trying to move on their hearts and they're not budging. They think they're waiting on something to tell them it's okay. Just saying, okay? Just saying. So, so yeah, they think they're waiting on something for the all clear. Huh? And they think their excuses are legitimate. I say excuses because they're not reasons. They're not even reasonable when you think about what God has given us. Amen. You know, if you, you think that something, there was a, a, a threat of you being infected, for six, eight, ten months, I don't know how long people think they want to stay at home, but however long it takes, and then all of a sudden it's not there anymore, like poof. Somebody says it's all clear now, you know. We got people who have power over us now that will never tell us it's all clear. They're going to let people straggle their way out. How? And so if you're waiting on man to tell you it's okay, he'll never tell you it's okay. And then if fear has set up in you to such a degree that you fear coming into a church building, you fear the people that you've been worshiping with, 
you fear the atmosphere that and you fear somebody sneezing or you you don't know if they took their temperature you'll never go back yeah and this is the plot of the enemy why do you think he's going through all this trouble to do all this if he didn't think it was going to work on more than half the christians i would say you understand some of them very comfortable staying at home and i'm talking about the preachers And so if the enemy can immobilize our faith, he'll do whatever he can to do it. This, I think, was kind of easy. Because he had government help. He had help from the all the government agencies that are, are supposed to be operating on our behalf. The health people, all of those people. Uh, it It is a real disease, but what about your... Your confidence in Psalm 91. See, we're not of this world as believers. We're in it, but we're not of it. Amen. So if you're not of this world, the things that apply to this world do not concern you. Um, they, they are not in your <laughs> purview as they say. You understand what I'm saying? They ain't in your repertoire, whatever you want to call it. They ain't in your bag. So the things of this world have to be ignored and you focus on what God's telling you that to listen to my word, hear my sayings, don't let them depart from your heart, from your eyes, keep them in the midst of their heart. Why, why do you think he said don't let them depart? Because the enemy's working overtime to pry you away from God's word. Amen? Make you lose confidence in God's word. When when this COVID thing started, the Lord told me, he said, your job is to keep my people healthy. I said, okay. So that's why we go there. Amen? So I'm doing my job. Amen? And And we're healthy. Amen? Praise God. And so, and glory to God. And so... We don't, we don't stop. I don't listen to what the world says and then go by that and ignore God's word. How are you going to ignore what, you know, I need this word. This keeps me getting up every morning. If it wasn't for the word, I wouldn't wake up. And so when you think about it, how quick some people are to abandon what they say they believe. Or maybe this is God's way of showing us these people never believed in anyway. If you're so quick to give up on something, just saying. People have had enough time. You know, you see people out at the supermarket, they go everywhere else. Huh? So here, here is it, our, our, I would say a little evidence of what God talked about, the great falling away. And we all wondered what it was going to look like. We never thought it would come in this kind of package, but in whatever it comes in, people don't keep their relationship with God. They don't keep their covenant with God. He tells us not to forsake assembling of ourselves together. As long as it's possible for you to assemble, you assemble. If, if, 
the church loses its its mortgage. You find a way that you go back into the basement where you started, back into somebody's rec room where you started. Some of these pa- pastors have mansions. You can you can just go get a room in in one of their houses and still have church. You understand? So my my thinking is we're not fighting hard enough to hold on to what God's given us. See, something that's precious, you'll fight to hold on to it. Amen? You will. And so when you understand how precious God's salvation is and, and his, his way of providing for his people is, you'll fight to hold on to it. Amen? You'll fight the devil. You'll fight the health department. You'll fight. And some of these strongholds in certain areas are pretty formidable. You know, some of these churches that are trying to get their doors open again are being fought. They cut their gas off. They cut their lights off. They cut the water off just to keep them closed down. Now, that ain't normal because the government never gave us these rights. These rights come from God. They just confirm them with a constitution or with whatever it is. You know, they have no right to hinder your freedom of worship. And then to tell you you can't sing in church? Huh? See, that's what we're up against, folks. And see, right now, it's it's with us, maybe half the people here are missing, or maybe a little less than that. And And we're praying as much as we can to pray them back in here, but they've got to be pricked in their heart by God to understand their error and repent and get back to where God placed them so that he can continue the work because they will need God one day. See, a lot of them are making it financially and all that. It's just mercy of God. It's, it's not them doing this stuff on there. It's the mercy of God. And so once they realize that they're living off God's mercy from day to day, and it runs out after a while. You get into enough disobedience you know, it's like people that lead this ministry and they want to cling to a little prayer. They always, well, I, 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 I know I've been missing church, but I want, can I keep my prayer partner? Yeah, you can do that. I used to tell them, no, go on about your business. That was the best thing to do for them because this way they're deceived a little bit and thinking they can still pray and be in disobedience and it works for them. Some of them wake up and come back, but most of them don't. They keep it moving because they've in their hearts a long time ago left. They've just been fooling us. Huh? Because you can come in, you can look like you're a part of things, you can be friendly with people and all that kind of stuff, and all the while your heart is way someplace else. And if you don't correct it, you know, this whole thing works by love. You, you, hypocrisy won't last. It, it, and that's what God's revealing to people now. That your heart really isn't in it. Why don't you repent and get your heart in it? I can still help you. You know, you're not a lost cause. If you repent, God will put your heart in it the right way. He saves to the uttermost. Amen. But many people are too proud to do that. They don't want to be wrong. And then the devil bugs them because when they leave, they won't start lying on everybody. Lie on me, lie on Pastor Shirley, lie on y'all too. 
<laughs> they so-called friends, lie on the prayer partner they had, prayed them out of trouble for 10 years. Now, now you're the enemy all of a sudden. You understand? Betrayal's pretty strong. It's as strong as love is. So God is awakening people to a lot of things. He's revealing what's really in our hearts. He's showing us this has got to get fixed. I'm here to fix it for you. But you got to make a commitment to me that you're not going to be somebody who's just in it for what you can get out of it. I got to have your full devotion. Amen. Full devotion. And so God does always have a remnant of people. Amen. That will follow him no matter what. Make sure you understand who you are and stay in that group of people. Amen. Because you're in the group that will follow him no matter what. Amen. Always want to be in that number. And have both feet in. Don't be straddling because at one, at some point that other foot might, might lose its footing. Amen. So don't be a straddler. Be somebody with both feet in 500% at all times and God will definitely help us and and keep us straight so the force of faith comes in to force certain elements from the kingdom into our lives faith will force healing into your body faith will force uh, every need that you have I don't care what it is material relationship uh, health, whatever. Your faith, faith will force it into your life. That's why it's referred to as a spiritual force. So I don't think we should any longer look at faith as something that's weak, dormant, takes a long time to, you know, sometimes you think, oh boy, I gotta start on the confession again. I didn't get it in five minutes, so now I gotta confess. You gotta hold on. Amen. Well, you've already pulled the trigger on it when you believed you received it when you prayed. So you've got the bullet in the chamber. Amen. So so when you believe you receive what you're asking for, when you pray, your next step is you got to believe you'll have it. how long I wish I could tell you I know one thing if you ask him for how long you gotta get on a different page now you gotta you gotta gotta quit lingering on that page you gotta flip the page and get over to the page that says I don't care how long and it doesn't matter how long and how long is not an issue and look at Abraham who after, what, 17 years or something, 12, 12 years for sure, I know, maybe going on more than that, he he believed, he finally believed, he finally was fully persuaded that God was going to be the one to bring it to pass. See, when we're asking how long, we're looking at ourselves, we're looking at what it's going to take for us to do it. How long can I believe? How long can I confess without forgetting to confess for 10 days? Mm-hmm. 
But then you think about it and say, wait a minute, let me stop. I received it already. You see what I'm saying? Like that thought is like the last thought we come up with, if we come up with it at all. See, the the Holy Spirit reminds us of the things that we need to do. Bible says he brings things to our remembrance. So we have to trust him to remind us instead of beating ourselves up because we haven't made our confession like a good girl or a good boy in a long time. And you think to yourself, well, if he didn't remind me, what does that mean? <laughs> huh? Well, he just reminded you if you just thought of it. So then what you realize is you've been trying to make it happen all this time. You you said you believe you received it when you prayed. Then you start wondering what's taking so long. You've taken over control over again. You know, we do it. The little mind of ours is always calculating stuff. Amen. Going down your checklist. What do I have coming? What do I wish? Wait, 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 wait. You get one of them checklist days. Well, well, God says things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. So your checklist is gone. Amen. So really the issue with us is can we be fully persuaded that what he's promised, he's able to. It's not up to us to perform anything. It's not up to us to have a perfect confession all the time. Like we could judge if it's perfect or not. When Jesus still sits at the right hand of the Father praying for us. Oh. You mean to tell, yeah, I mean to tell you exactly that. He prays for us. He's a perfect intercessor. The only thing we have to do is make sure that we don't operate in unbelief. Oh, what does that mean? Well, what did God tell you to do as a a as a uh a condition of your faith? You know, there is a corresponding action to everything that we receive from God. And and basically Mark eleven twenty four tells us you can have what you say. So it's a saying. Not the frequency of saying, not the saying it so much your tongue falls out, beat yourself up if you've got to say it for a few days and then you go back to saying it. It's that you say it and not doubt that God will do it. See, if we start doubting, that's an indication that we think we have to do something to convince God beyond Believing we received it. If you've got it already, you don't have any problem. It, you possess it. It's yours. And so it's not tampering with that covenant that we have to discipline ourselves to. So if you, if you have to put some effort into anything, it's putting effort into not considering that your confession isn't as frequent or it's not as powerful, or your faith isn't there. Did I really believe I received it when I prayed? Well, how come I don't feel like I got nothing? Hmm? Just to stay in a spiritual mindset. So, so a way of disciplining yourself, when your mind wanders over into doubt and unbelief, because that's all that's happening there, 
is for you to be begin to worship God and to begin to thank him and to get yourself back over into kingdom. I would call it a healthy kingdom heart condition, you know, where, where God's spirit dominates and you have a peace about, see, once, once you enter back into the spirit again, those doubts kind of just don't bother you anymore. You don't even know what happened to them. And you feel just like you did when you prayed the first time. You believe you received it when you prayed. So really what we do is we stray out of the kingdom. The Bible says uh, the kingdom, uh, you know, it, men go in and out and then find pastor. And so you you go in and out of God's kingdom according to what you're thinking and according to what is in your situation and what the devil's picking on you about today. You understand what I'm saying? So he gets to pick it on you about, now really, you think you're going to get what so-and-so get with that little flimsy confession of yours? Huh? Well, no, I, I have it already. See, that's what you got to remind yourself of, that you've received it already. And what the enemy is trying to do is pry it away from you with thoughts, with uh, uh, insecurities, with all of those things that make us feel somehow inadequate. Well, it's too late now because you got it already. See, devil, it's too late to make me feel inadequate because I received it already. And I have it in my possession by faith where you can't get it even though you're trying to pry it out of my fingers with doubt and accusation and everything else that the enemy uses to keep us from having that confidence of faith that God will bring it to pass. Amen. He will bring it to pass. So you have it by the, 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 uh, um, the spirit of faith. Amen. You have received it. In spiritual form, you have the substance, amen, and you have the evidence of faith in your heart for that, amen. You know how you can tell if somebody comes and and asks you, did you really get, yes, I did. See, whenever it's challenged, your answer will tell what you really believe, amen. And so we, we can hold on to these things by faith. Sometimes it's not comfortable when you don't see anything, you don't feel anything, you don't feel any closer to it. And, and then, then what you do is you rely on your relationship with God. God, I feel like I'm slipping here in, in my believing for this. And as long as you don't turn against it, you'll receive it. See, sometimes people get let the devil bug them. You get angry and you say, well, I don't want it anymore. And that happens to people. You know, I don't know what they have in their hearts if they ever really received it by faith. But I know there are many people that walk away from prayers of agreement, things that they said they were believing God for. Amen. The devil challenges you too much. (laughs) You know, you're liable to just let it slip. Say amen, somebody or whatever you, I don't know. But, but. That's the challenge for us. The Bible tells us to hold on to our profession. Amen. Don't let these things slip away from us. Because that's really, that's the wrestle. 
We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and power. So the devil's trying to wrestle it out of your hands, out of your possession. Amen. And so that he can disappoint you, make you feel that God isn't working for you, that he's not going to do it for you or something like that. You're not spiritual enough. You're not this enough or that enough. Well, you never were and you never will be. You take yourself out of the situation like Abraham did. It was only when he took himself out and said God was the one who was able to perform it. He was trusting God to perform this. So God, I'm trusting you to perform this. I'm trusting you to bring this to me. I'm trusting you. See, that'll make some of us want to take our wig off and and go (laughs) and set your hair on fire. I mean, we'd rather do anything to just totally trust God. You mean he don't need my help for nothing? He needs you to do a lot of things, things you ain't doing. Like when you're wondering when you're going to get your stuff, he's wondering when you're going to go out and tell somebody about him. When you're going to go pray for somebody. Amen. When you're going to do some of the things he's called you to do. Believe it or not, those seeds of obedience will hasten that thing into your possession. Mm-hmm. When the devil gets busy, you get busy. Amen. He's trying to discourage you. You just do some things to remind yourself of who you are, who you really are. Amen. So um, <clears throat> your body belongs to God because he created you and redeemed you. So he's going to take care of your body. You have a covenant with him to take care of your body. Amen. So when you believe you receive something, when you pray, that faith, that possession of that thing by faith begins to move sickness out of your body. Amen. So by force of faith, sickness is moving out and healing is just moved in because of your confession. Amen. So when you confess that you are healed, you believe you received that because you prayed and you told God, I believe your covenant. I believe that you died. Surely you have borne my sicknesses and carried my sorrows. And I receive my healing right now in Jesus name. Amen. And so you hold on to that spiritual force of faith that continues to work in you as you walk out God's obedience in your life. You keep feeding that seed of healing with with more word. You begin to meditate on the word. Some of us have enough scripture in us healing wise to feed that continually. You understand what I'm saying? And and then the time you spend in the word with God further strengthens that. You know, nobody's telling you to live off the words you got in there con- totally because a lot of people quit reading a word. And, you know, it's, it's very easy to put that down and not be consistent. And so God wants you to meet with him every day. It's the healing. The children's bread is healing. Whenever you get into the word, that brings healing to you in different areas of your life. And so uh, God will will minister to you that which you need because you have received your health by faith. Amen. God has redeemed you. He's paid the price 
so that you don't have to pay for your sin. And that's where your health comes from. There is no curse. There is no penalty. That's been canceled because of the blood of Jesus. So the process of redemption is geared toward allowing us to take on more of of God's power, more of his life, and drive out things that will will hinder that, things that symptoms and sickness and and, uh, fear in your soul of what your parents had and what runs in your family and all that kind of stuff. It will drive all of that out. See, sometimes you need to have a change up here before you can see it in your physical body. You know, in fact, that is true. Uh, the Bible tells us to meditate on the word day and night. Then you'll make your way prosperous and have good success. Only after you meditate on it and keep that one in your mind all the time. A lot of people want to want to wonder why their ministry hasn't taken off or this hasn't taken off or that hasn't taken off. And, and it's it's because of that. Your mind, you got to think more like God. you got to think like Christ. You gotta at least know that God will give you answers for people if He's entrusting you uh, with His flock. And so there, there is a process of meditation, renewing of your mind so that you can observe. That means to listen and do the things the Word tells you to do. Be careful skipping over stuff. You know, I remember hearing certain people and I thought, boy, that, that's, that's wonderful. They can do that. And the Lord reminded, He said, you do that too. You know what I'm saying? But, but the Copeland said they made a decision. Whatever they saw in the word that they thought God wanted them to do, when the minute it hit them in their hearts to do those things, they put them into operation. That's how the word works so quickly for them is they had, they made a commitment. And, and, but the most people linger over it, think about it, skip over it. See, the difference is what we call diligence. The hand of the diligent get wealthy. Not the ones that skip over people. You understand what I'm saying? We skip over, we want to do the things that we want to do or come easy. Things that are challenging to us, we, we like to skip over. Amen. So there are forces at work in the earth, life and death, good and evil. These forces have the ability to force certain things to happen if the conditions are right. Amen. I tell young people all the time, you don't really need to date a lot of people to find out who is for you to be married to. You just have to pray and ask God. If you get a, a, a check in your spirit or irritation in your spirit, just keep moving. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, it, when you get a peace in there about somebody, then then start on a godly process of relationship. You know, people are so uh, people live in such condemnation; they want to hide who it is that they going with and all this and. Now, see, they'll get around their peers and try to mess your head up and understand, well, I got me somebody. Well, where they at? Don't worry about it. Yeah, they're not saved. They don't come to church. If you don't bring them to church, they ain't saved. You got it? 
because you know the deal. I, well, I passed their bar, and then, you know, they ain't going to like this person. Wonder why. Listen, I don't have to like nobody because I ain't marrying them. You understand what I'm saying? That's your boo. Huh? So they get around their little girlfriends and try to make you jealous because you get, they got somebody you don't. See, if jealousy is the only thing you get out of a relationship, You have your, you got everything out of it that you ever gonna get out of it. After you've made all your little girlfriends jealous. That's all it was about anyway. It wasn't about God. And He ain't gonna marry you. He never was intending to marry you. So what, what are you wasting your time for? You know why people do that? They don't believe God has anybody for them. So first, first job, get in the word and get convinced that God has somebody for you. Quit playing games. So pray for him to quit playing games. You got friends like that, pray for him to cut God, show him. What a dog they are. Cut them loose. <laughs> Let it blow up in their face. Amen. God will show them. He's just waiting on somebody to pray for them. And don't sit up there and trade stories with them and try to get into that jealousy thing. Say, you know what? I don't even feel like hearing that today. Let's talk about the word. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about anything. I'm not here for hearing about your personal life. So there are forces at work in the earth, life and death, good and evil. These forces have the ability to force certain things to happen if they are believed. If they are meditated on and they are believed, these spiritual forces will force certain things to happen. That's how people wind up in situations, evil situations. I can't believe I'm here. I can. You know, you took all the steps to get there. You know, quit languishing in unbelief and just be honest with yourself. God, I never should have. I never should have. I never should have. And I never should have. You know what you did wrong. Amen. So stay on the side of the of righteousness in God. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, it, it's I consider it an honor to sit up at home with nothing to do but talk to the Lord. You have such peace. You don't have nobody demanding nothing. Nobody, you ain't scared of nobody. You ain't, people ain't lying on you on Facebook. You know, all that kind of stuff. It's a blessing. Amen. So faith is a spiritual force that has substance to it. So it can be felt in the realm of the spirit. So really, that's where we need to start somewhere is God help me to be discerning to know when I'm in faith on something. Help me to know the spiritual force of faith. Help me to know what that, that, how to perceive that in the spirit. 
And really, faith is at work when you confess the word. The word has faith on it. Amen? And so when you say, Father, I thank you for, for my, uh, for my, uh, decorating my house for the things I need to adorn my, or correcting this, there's something that seems to be broken here. I thank you for fixing it for me, Lord, and, and just release your faith for these things. Amen? Or Lord, what should I do? It seems like this is going bad. Do I, do I believe you for extended life on it? Or, you know, just locate where God is on things. And allow him to guide your faith to where he wants it to be released. So it is a spiritual force because it has substance to it. Amen. It has evidence. So faith, uh, once it's released, can be evidenced in the spirit. When added to love, it forces the things of eternal life into your life. Amen. So Whenever faith is mixed with love, it forces the the things of eternal life into your life and into your heart by way of coming into your spirit. So when you think about it, you have a mixture of the different fruit of the spirit resident inside of your heart, inside of your spirit man. And when you desire something, that's a love force right there. God, I really do want to get married. I really do want a husband. I want a family. I want things of a a nice domestic life. And so when you sincerely go to God in faith and you desire things, desire is real close to love. Amen. Desire also can be in your flesh in the form of covetousness. So you got to be, be sure it's mixed with love. So why do I bring that up? Well, many times we want things because other people have them. And, and let me tell you how the devil will mess with you on that. It, you know, you'll watch somebody, say for instance, Miss Nola's married. Everybody knows that. We know she pulled a shotgun on her husband to get him off. <laughs> But that's about what it amounts to in in girl language. You know, that's female trick number 1022, only to be uh, pulled when you're really desperate. If that brother got one foot out the house, you better go get the gun. You better go get something. Retrieve him. Shoot him in the kneecap. Tell him, tell him, tell the officer it was temporary insanity. They look at you. You don't look insane. No, I'm talking about him. He thought he was going somewhere. See? But anyway, I digress. <laughs> but, but, see, covetousness will, like you're here in a Christian atmosphere. And marriage is preached in the positive, in the affirmative here. And we teach that marriage is honorable, which it is. And and so you'll get like a a group feeling or group affirmation that that's something that, that everybody else likes and I gotta like it too. See so it happens. About a lot of things. 
that we experience as Christians. But what you need to do with that, instead of living in that understanding of marriage, you need to go to God and start studying and see what it's all about. Because there are, if you grow up in this society, there's things that's rooted in the heart of all women that's anti-man. Huh? And, and, you know, like my husband used to say, see, yeah, she got to get some of that boy out of her. And I was, what is he talking about? And I thought about it, I said, well, probably talking about me, you know what I'm saying? But, but it's something that will, will, just doesn't want to submit to the whole concept and trust God in it. You know, the, the day of my liberation was the day I found out that I just wasn't trusting my husband, I was trusting God. Amen. To lead him in the right direction and to lead me in the right direction. I trust him with God with him and me too. But see, we can live out of that superficial desire that's covetousness because you want it because you think it's the right thing to want. But see, when you think about it in your heart, you might have so many strongholds against marriage that you never even knew were there and dealt with. So you can think you're believing God for a husband and a lot of time has gone by and nothing's happened because these strongholds are continually fighting your faith on the inside of you. No shade, but if it's true, you know, just say, God, deal with that. Because I want to be able to trust and not have every time I think about Myself being married, there's some negative thought at the end of that thought process. See, that's your stronghold. See, it, it goes from, from trying to get in your heart right into a prison where it stays locked up. You got me? And, and you really have to learn how to tell that stuff. It's not important. I'm trusting God. See, I'm a new creature. I don't live like that anymore. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of anybody. I'm not afraid I don't measure up. Stay out of fast food. Go home and cook sometime. You might, it might start to get a little more comfortable to you. You know, the idea, cause I'm, I'm like, I'm in, I'm preaching in a morgue around here right now. You know, like, man. Jeez, wake up somebody. You know what I'm saying? Get yourself out the morgue. It's so true. <laughs> so, you, your faith has to work by love. You gotta love what you're asking God for. Amen. And you gotta love the concept. You gotta love whoever he brings into your life to complete that. You gotta love the process. You gotta love everything about it. And, and once you release yourself into total trusting God, you'll, it'll shock you how quickly some of these things come into being and come into existence. A heart that is open to the will of God is a receptacle for the word and for the spiritual forces that will make that word a reality. So if you, if your heart is open to God's will, 
God, what do you have for me? Amen. And I want that. It always has to be God's will. So, God, I want what you have for me. Amen. I want that. And in the heart that is open to the will of God is a receptacle for the word and the spiritual forces that make that word a reality. Amen. The forces that carry eternal life are controlled by the laws of God's kingdom. So there are certain spiritual laws that control the spiritual forces. Just like gravity controls the atmosphere, the wind, the waves, all that kind of stuff uh, is part of it. There are other forces that control the weather that, that we have. And their spiritual laws that control those things. Amen. So the humble heart, I'm sorry, humility is a spiritual force that causes, it's, it's referred to as a fruit of meekness in Galatians 5, 20, I guess 22, 23. Humility is a spiritual force that causes a person to be yielded to the will of God. So all we have to do is humble ourselves. The easiest way to humble ourselves is to tell God we want what he wants for us. Huh? And quit going to the gym, peeking at them guys that's bench pressing 400 pounds. Huh? Because you don't want to mess up with them people. Not because of any physical threat necessarily, unless you mess with their protein shakes, with their supplements, and with their walls of pills that they got, and, all, and how much they work out, and don't have time for you. If you can live with that, then. But stay out the gym peeking at stuff. Amen. You sweat, you get on a treadmill and, and wind up. Falling down and pushing them buttons, they speed up on you. Your feet can't keep up. You want to flat on the floor <laughs> with rug burns. So that ain't that dude ain't your shot, okay? All right. I don't care how big the cross is that he got on his t-shirt. So humility is the spiritual force that causes a person to be yielded to the will of God. The humble heart forces the love of God to prevail. Amen. So humility forces love to prevail in your heart. It actually kicks out anger, fear, resentment, all of that, because it's humble to the will of God. So humility always allows greater impact of the fruit of the spirit in your spirit. And in your life. So when you start to, to pray and believe what needs to happen in your life, humility to humble yourself, your heart before God means that every other force that you need to help your faith and protect your faith surrounds what you're asking for and puts a wall around it so that the enemy cannot easily pry it out of there. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we'll, we'll want things and they don't come fast enough. You, 
enemy try to get you disappointed? Well, your appointment time hasn't come yet. You can't be disappointed for something you don't have no appointment for. It's like going to your doctor on Thursday and they tell you your appointment ain't till Friday. Well, I know I'm supposed to be here. You still ain't in the book. You don't get in to see nobody. It was true. So you can't be disappointed if you don't have an appointment for nothing yet. And we that's why God seldom tells us when something's coming. He just tells it it's yours and you receive it by faith. But the when it's coming... Nobody knows. Amen. So the humble heart forces the love of God to prevail and opens one's life up to the wisdom and the knowledge of God for how to work with him so that he can bring that thing to pass. It's always his job to bring it to pass. We just work with him in obedience and keeping our end of the covenant. That's that's really what it's about. Grace is another force that allows entry of things pertaining to eternal life into our hearts. Amen. Grace is the divine influence on the heart. So it's the God empowerment on your heart to motivate you to carry out the will of God. Amen. So grace to me is the great enabler. It's not an excuse for bad behavior. Amen. It just don't ever get it twisted. When when the Bible talks about the divine influence of the heart, by grace you are saved through faith. Faith knocks on the door and grace opens it. Amen? Grace says, come in, get what you need, experience what you need to experience in God, and empowers you to take that step. Because if that weren't there, you'd constantly be at the door knocking. Amen. And so grace is an enabler. It enables you to endure difficulties without acting up, cutting up and quitting. Amen. So, so it is the, it is a powerful spiritual force and it's not an excuse for sloppiness. You got me? It's very powerful. Paul talks about by the grace given me by God. He's able to endure these beatings. He's able to keep going. How would you like to every town you get to, uh, you get beat up because of you preaching in the synagogue and God tells you to go right back. The next town you get to, the first place he tells you, go to the synagogue. I got beat up the last time I was there. But you go anywhere. How do you think you get there and go anywhere? It's by the grace of God. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm a changed person. I'm not afraid of going to face death every city I go to. Because it's it's the impact of God's character in your heart is what grace is. You are a changed person because of that. You start believing the word and that's all you believe, you'll scare yourself sometimes. The things that you'll do and the answers you give to people. Amen. So it's a great enabler. Amen. It helps you to carry through on the will of God and obedience to God and the things that are challenging for us. Amen. Once you believe them, grace will empower you to go through. Why do you think the disciples were able to pray 
and ask God to give them more boldness after they've been already told they couldn't go, not to go and preach in the name of Jesus. There was grace on their prayer for them to ask for what they needed. I'm sure when they asked for more of the same, they were just as shocked as anybody else was. They said, I can't believe we asked to get thrown in the soup again. Seven times hotter. How do you think Stephen was able to stand there and preach knowing he'd be stoned to death? Grace enabled him to endure that. Come on, y'all. It's a powerful force. Don't get it twisted. Keep it straight in your heart and your mind what grace enables you to do. So it is the great enabler. And it enables the success of God to be operational in our lives by obedience to God's law, not cutting corners. Amen. So grace allows us to carry out obedience to his word fearlessly. Amen. Fear might try to knock on the door, might try to speak to your head, but grace enables you to stay focused on what your faith is telling you to do. Amen. It just pulls you back into that that place of, of just wanting to obey God. Even though you might go back and forth, back and forth, it's always pulling you back into obedience to God. Amen. So um, we're going to talk about the woman with the issue of blood and talk about how the force of faith operated with her to get her healing that she needed. Um I think I want to go to Mark chapter 5. There's three accounts of this. They all have little tidbits in it that you want to carry into the next one. But uh, it's just good to understand that, that all the different all the different accounts of this have important things, uh, facets to them that are important for us to know and to carry in. So uh, thank you, Jesus. In Mark chapter 5. Starting in verse 22, um, it says here, Behold, one of the, Jesus, 21, when Jesus was passed over again by ship to the other side, many people gathered unto him, and he was close to the sea. And behold, there comes one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Now this is, a sworn enemy, religion is a sworn enemy of the anointing. So we take it that when it says he bowed at his feet and paid obeisance to him or humbled himself to the Lord, if a religion and the anointing are enemies, He must have been sincere in humbling himself to Jesus or he never would have gotten his attention. Okay. So the religious always fought, but if he, he wasn't standing in that religious spirit at that time, he was humbling himself to the Lord. Why? He really needed something. You can count on it. All religious people eventually will really need something. Amen. And they'll come off their high horse and they'll come off their whatever. Amen. You know how to get right before God. <clears throat> so, and that's God's mercy toward them, of course. So, okay, so he he humbles himself. Jairus fell at his feet and it sought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. 
I pray you come and lay hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. So he's got all the right stuff. All his confession is in place. He must have be believing Jesus because Jesus leaves and goes with them. Amen. Out of all the people in the crowd. Got it? Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, spent all that she had, never got better, only grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, and one translation says she said within herself. So she's meditated on this till she gets convinced of it. Amen. See, when we first hear of something, sometimes the thought starts out like, boy, if that were only true. Well, she had meditated on this till it was true. Amen. And this is the other power of the force of faith. Faith will force unbelief out of you and force more faith into its place. Till it gets you to the point where you are fully persuaded that this thing is done. So by the time she gets there, it's a done deal, except for the point of contact for the release of her faith to receive the anointing. See, your faith always has an appointment with the anointing. They can meet together anywhere. They can meet together wherever God says. They can meet together in some places we never thought we would go. And see, that's what I love about the Lord. He will force us to get beyond some of our restrictions, our hang-ups, our this and our that. I was in a church once. We, we, uh, my, when my husband was alive, we would go there and, and on Sundays, cause he, he wanted, and I wanted us to be in a church. He couldn't understand what our ministry was all about. We met on Saturdays and for somebody who's just new in the things of God, you don't want to scare him to death. So we went to this church and so Benny Hinn had just been in town and the pastor got up in the pulpit and said, well, sometimes you just need to come to the altar and get prayer and you don't have to wait for the evangelist to come to town to get healed. I said, now that sounds familiar. What the Pharisees say. Seven days when you're allowed to heal. You know, six days. You can't do it on the Sabbath. There's always some restriction against you being free to go where God wants you to go so that you receive. Instead of encouraging people, you understand, or keep your mouth shut and let God tell people where they're going to go get their help. Amen. There's no specific place you have to be. You go where God tells you to go. Amen. Especially if they don't pray for the sick at your church. You got to go get healed somewhere. Amen. So she decided she wasn't going to be sick. Uh-huh. It's one of my favorite quotes from Mr. Samuel L. Jackson. Uh-huh. Yeah, I am not going to 
it, I was trying to think of the movie. In the movie, oh, The Negotiator, co-starring Mr. Well, whoever. You know how people go through their long, drawn-out. Yeah. And he didn't go to jail that day either. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Sometimes your faith is taking you elsewhere and not to jail today. Amen. So, <laughs> but anyway, uh, she made up her mind. She wasn't going to spend another day sick. And she had heard about Jesus and she thought if I could just get to him and touch him, not have him touch me, I would touch him. See, there are different ways that God ministers truth to us. Now, the ruler of the synagogue wanted Jesus to come with him and lay hands on his daughter. Why didn't he bring her there? Why did he not bring his daughter there? See? Well, his faith was not telling him to do that. You got me? See, faith sometimes plays in with your memory. It plays in with what you're familiar with. It plays in with what you've stored in your heart already. And if this man had observed Jesus coming and praying for people over and over again, that's probably the scenario or the imprint he had in his heart and in his mind that, oh, well, I can't bring her out, but I can get him to come to her. Amen. And so that's what his faith told him was going to happen so that his daughter could be well. This lady decided that she wasn't going to wait. See, this ruler of the synagogue felt that he could take a chance to go and bring him back. And if he got him to come back, his daughter would be healed. So he was firmly convinced that Jesus was able to perform whatever it was he was asking. He probably seen it happen before, probably seen other people. He would go to their house. He would find out that they were sick or find out whatever was going on. And he would go there and he would pray for them. He knew better than to take her to the synagogue. So the woman with the issue of blood makes her decision that she has suffered long enough. She makes up her mind to get out and get among people, which was forbidden for her. You all know that. If you had any kind of a discharge from your body, you were considered unclean and you had to be housebound. She didn't have confidence. She had the opposite faith of the centurion. Centurion had uh, not centurion, but the leader of the synagogue, Jairus, she had opposite faith of his. He had faith for Jesus to come to him. Amen. Part of that is, I can't let my posse see me running after him. See, that stuff gets stuck in your head. And does God love you enough to overlook it? He sure does. Because if faith can force itself out of, out of your mouth from residing in your heart, even with all that stuff in there, I can't let him, I can't do it, I can't do it. Huh? I was, I was listening, 
Brother Hagin was talking about a, um, a woman that he was, he was asking the Lord is why is it God so easy for sometimes people that just don't have a lot of, uh, um, you know, churchy, churchianity with them and all that kind of stuff. He was comparing this, these two families. He said there was a woman that had about four kids and she came. He said she just come to church maybe once a month. We'd have an evening service on Sunday and she would come. He said she didn't come too often. And, and, uh, Sunday school teacher and deacon, they come all the time serving the church and everything. And he said, I would go, there wasn't, he said, there was never a time that she called me to pray for her children, talking about the lady that didn't come much, that those kids didn't get healed. He said, and I wondered about that, and I asked God, and he said, well, look at what they do. And the deacon's wife, when he would come, he said, I'd knock on the door, I'd have to knock three or four times, and then they finally come. She said, oh, it's you, deacon's wife. I don't know why they called you, our kids never get healed. And he said, and then the lady that didn't come as much, he, she said, Brother Hagen, I know I don't come to church as often and I don't do see confession. Instead of trying to hide it, you get it out. He, she said, but you know what? God loves my little children and he don't want to see my kids sick. And he said before, he said that I could touch one of them with a high fever and my hand would cool down under, you know, just that quick. Amen. And so, and so it's, it's, interesting what God will overlook, but then some of the things he holds us accountable for. If you're working for God and, and you're a hypocrite, if you work in the church and you don't have faith in your heart, you understand what I'm saying? And sometimes people will look at church work as a substitute for relationship with God. It's very common. I, I can remember when the choir would march in, after they sing, they march out and go in the back room. Well, how come y'all ain't out here hearing the word? See, that's why when, when people, the charismatic people, when they start having church and, and full gospel people, they went to a praise team. Get rid of the choir. Get rid of, you know that term preaching to the choir? Like the choir don't need the word? That's why you got homosexuals leading the, the worship and all this flamboyant stuff there in front of people because you made them special people for no reason. You're not special if you don't need the word. You're pitiful. You're most wretched if you think you don't need the word of God every day. They need to be the first ones sitting up there. It's a deception of the devil, man. Think because you sing you don't need to sit under the word? Good gravy. That's why some of the worship songs is so goofy. Not scriptural, not, you know, and all this. And they think they're in the prophetic realm and they ain't nowhere. They just making stuff up and God is healing so and so now. He ain't doing nothing. Ain't no healing anointing in there. Make it hard for people who are trying to do the right thing, you know, sometimes. Praise God. So God knows how to work with your mentality, your, cause faith really is forcing your answer, your answer into your life. And it's such a powerful force. It will push past your crazy ideas. It'll push past your unbelief in your head. 
It'll push past a certain level of doubt in your head, crazy ideas in your head, things that you're embarrassed of and you don't want people to know about in your head. It'll push past that. It has to. Because we're a little crazy sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, I don't know what the saints going to see if they find out about that. They ain't going to say nothing. They're going to wonder, they're going to look at that and say, well, if God did it for her, <laughs> do it for me. I hope something like that. Amen. Why don't we quit? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing of your word. Thank you, Lord, for your covenant with us. Verily, verily, you tell us that if we say these things, we can have what we say. We're so thankful for that. You'll bring it to pass for us. You always do. So, Father, we remove ourselves out of the picture and we put it on you. We cast our cares on you. You care for us. We thank you, Lord, that we can have what we say if we believe in our heart and not doubt. So, Father, we thank you that we are believers. We are not doubters. We thank you, Lord, that we are healed. From the top of our head to the soles of our feet, we are healed. And we thank you. We honor you for that. All right, everybody, let's do our confession. I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. I thank you, Father, that by the stripes of your son, Jesus, I am healed. We decree it, and we say it is done, and it is so in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.